You're listening to China Africa Talk. Jambo ni Bridget akikuletea kipindi kinachohusiana na China na Africa. Vous écoutez le dialogue sino-africain avec Bridget. Everything China, everything Africa. Olá, você está ouvindo China Africa Talk com Bridget. Sayidati wa sadati marhaban bikum. Fi al-hawar al-siniy al-arabi ma'a Bridget. Hello and welcome to China Africa Talk, the program that brings views and discussions on what's happening between China and Africa from a Chinese and African perspective. I'm Bridget Mutambira joining you from the Chinese capital and in today's discussion in line with the CGTN series China from Outside, China Africa Talk paid a visit to the Rwandan embassy in Beijing for a one-on-one interview with Rwanda's ambassador to China, His Excellency James Kimonyo, to discuss among other issues his views regarding the ruling concepts initiated by the CPC over the last decade such as the Belt and Road Initiative and the future cooperation and potential areas the two countries can work on. Your Excellency, thank you for joining us today on China Africa Talk and thank you for hosting us here at the embassy. Pleasure. What are some of the changes that you have witnessed here in China since your appointment as ambassador to China and how have they impacted in your vision and goals as ambassador to China. Thank you very much. First and foremost, let me say hello to our listeners and viewers. This is one of the best appointments that I've received during my diplomatic career. I have been in China for the last almost 3 years. Next month going to be 3 years and my experience has been wonderful. I have met different people, I have traveled across this country, I have seen things that this country has done, how hard working Chinese people are, how they keep time how they love people and how they receive people in their homes in their workplaces really quite fascinating experience in my career of almost 20 years in foreign service so this is a life changing kind of experience because really we have to say that china means business so you come here as a diplomat and you meet people and you are contemplating to do so many things what we realize is in a very short period of time that you arrive in china it's about business mm. everyone you meet whether it is government or people from private sector they all talk about business. Right. What can I do with your country? What can I do in your country? What can I get from there? You know, so many opportunities presented to us because China has really come from a very low base but they have been very successful in so many ways and so when you come here you learn a lot and it changes your perception and thinking because before coming to China if it is your first time the things that you read you hear about when you are outside you totally see a different picture right. because this country has been very very successful you can see as the communist party of china cpc will convene its 20th national congress in beijing can you perhaps share your views regarding the ruling concepts initiated by the cpc over the the last decade such as the belt and road and what has impressed you the most if you can backtrack a bit and look at where china has come from in the last 40 years right. yeah you see the transformation that has occurred in this country and the cpc at the core of this transformation then you realize that this party is a party that works for the people of this country it's not a very typical political organization that mobilizes to get political capital and power and rule and for the few it has really demonstrated the capacity to lead the people 
for their own benefits. And so when you look at the journey that people of this country under the leadership of CPC have traveled, it's a journey of success. And the secret behind it, and I'm not the one to say what made China what it is today, but at least from what we see, and I want to say that when I arrived in this country, the first thing I did was to read about this country, and I read two important books authored by His Excellency President Xi Jinping. The first small book titled Up and Out of Poverty. So when you read that book, then you get the sense of what CPC has done in terms of practically dealing with issues that face people. The other book is Governance. And you see, it comes from the understanding of the fact that you can only be able to overcome challenges if you work hard. And in that small book that I mentioned, there's a chapter on what President calls even the weak hatching bird can be the first to fly. So even though China was the other day among the poorest nations, in just a few decades, it has been able to become the second largest economy. because of that thinking. But that doesn't happen in a vacuum. There must be a leadership. The leadership is very critical in this process and CPC has been an amazing political organization to transform the lives of this country. And so I can say without fear of contradiction, without blinking that CPC has transformed this country. And you just talked about one decade, 10 years ago. Look at what CPC Congress decided in 2012. And you can have that blueprint with anyone. But the difference between what CPC has done vis other political organizations is the fact that they have put in place mechanisms to execute all five-year plans the CPC has put in place they made sure that they are implemented so when you look at the five years from 2012 five years later 12 to 10 years you have seen changes you have seen buildings you have seen state-of-the-art infrastructure you have seen people getting out of poverty mm. simply because all the programs that were put in place have been adequately executed right, right. as the Rwandan ambassador to China over the years that you spent in in China. Are there any experiences culturally, socially, or politically that connect you to Rwanda? Absolutely. It's a modern economy. Even though I think Chinese tend to be very conservative, they are moderately transformative society, but it's a modern society, you know, every sense of the word. But they're also very, very conscious of their own tradition and culture and values and ethics. When you look at every aspect of the transformation of this country, the bedrock, the foundation of everything they do, it is based on their own culture, how they respect the national days. They do it, they take off days and the days off and they go home and celebrate the families, their tradition. But hardworking is what drives the minds of the Chinese because when they have the public holidays, they compensate the public holidays by working over the week. So I think the tradition, the culture of working hard is what has driven this country into what they do. So when you compare with what happens in Rwanda, the, the formidable challenges our country faced, especially in the aftermath of genocide. It is unthinkable for a country like Rwanda to have overcome these challenges, become a competitive state, bring together, unite our people, create economic benefits within two or so decades. And for us to be able to do that, it is because we embark on our own old traditions. How do we resolve, for instance, conflicts, disputes? We went to Gachacha process. How did we manage to work hard and overcome challenges? We came, you know, you know, went back to our old Umuganda, Umuganda, which is a community where come together to address common challenges of the community. So a number of old traditions that when you look at them could be considered to be bypassed by time, but in actual fact, they are the foundation of what you do as a society to change your life. And I think there's that parallel comparison with China as much as it's a modern society, but they also focus on you know, their traditions and culture to be able to address the challenges of the day. And what would you say are some key events under the Belt and Road Initiative between Rwanda and China that have characterized your term in office? How 
how have such events affected the relations between the two countries so far? Absolutely. It's very important to underline the fact that there are a number of initiatives that this country has come up with. The government of China, people of China, when they think about friends across the world, how to work with the different countries, there is this thinking that people might think it is a normal political rhetoric or statement, the win-win cooperation. Okay. So the win-win cooperation that President Xi Jinping emphasized on and you look at across the board many government policies, it is there. What does it mean? It means that China believes, given its history, you cannot succeed if other countries or friends are not successful. And so these initiatives are not really meant to generate benefit for China, are meant to generate benefit for the rest of the world. So when I arrived in China and took up this position, I was trying to figure out how I engage with China, I engage with the private sector, with the government. But these frameworks that are in place, whether it is and Road Initiative or Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, FOCAC, and bilateral arrangements. So you see a lot of programs under those initiatives that are clearly meant to connect all of us so that we are able to do business together, to trade, to invest, to have people to people exchanges. So Bet and Road Initiative was one of the things because Rwanda had joined 2018 because we knew and our leadership really saw this as an opportunity for us to build partnerships with the different countries beginning with China which is the initiator of this program. And it's a program that comes in to really bridge infrastructure gap to increase the efficiency in connectivity because if you are talking about future growth, collective growth and shared growth, you need to make sure that connectivity and infrastructure is really effective and all countries are connected. And so when you look at the program under Bills and Road Initiative, whether it is roads, hydropower, whether it is technology platforms that have been created, we have seen a lot of benefits and we see a lot of prospects in that respect. And therefore, we, we think this is a great initiative and the Chinese government is really very committed when you look at the pronouncements made just towards the end of last year is massive resources being mobilized to be able to support some of these projects because at the end of the day, we can only trade together, do business together when we are connected and this mm. initiative really means creating that opportunity for all of us. And I'd like to know from your Excellency, last year, China and Rwanda celebrated 50 years of diplomatic ties. What's your take on the future cooperation and potential areas the two countries can work on? Thank you for the question. Yes, it's been 50 years, 51 years now. Last year, we celebrated 50 years of our diplomatic relations. I want to emphasize that the last 28 years mm -hmm. after the genocide that took place in our country, we recorded exceptional growth in uh, our cooperation. It became so effective. We saw a lot of uh, high level exchanges in terms of visits, as you may recall, His Excellency President Xi Jinping visited Rwanda in 2018, during which 15 bilateral cooperation agreements were signed. All of them are being executed as we speak today. Our president visited China, met with his counterpart, discussed a lot of other cooperation agreements and programs. And so we celebrated 50 years and indeed celebrated the milestones in that cooperation. We have seen growth in people-to-people -people exchanges that China really insists about. It's about trade, investment, technology, but people-to-people -people is very critical because that's the, the foundation of any relationship. So we really celebrate a lot of milestones. When you go to Rwanda, you see a lot of hospitals, a lot of infrastructure, schools, people who have studied in China because of these exchanges. So really a lot to celebrate physical presence of people and infrastructure. So it's not about diplomatic relations, it's about things that are 
tangible mm -hmm. that we can have achieved. And we have a very positive outlook on what we are planning to do based on our bilateral agreements that we have signed, based on the bigger framework for Africa, FOCAC, a Belt and Road Initiative we just discussed. So we see a lot of commitment. And I want to emphasize that past few years we had not seen a lot of products from Africa coming to oh. the Chinese market. China being the factor of the world has been exporting a lot of products and commodities to Africa, but mm. we are seeing growth of African products coming to the Chinese market, including Rwandan products. Mm. We've seen growth in the export of chili, coffee, and tea, thanks to the good policies of opening up of Chinese economy, allowing many countries to come and put up business in China, but also allowing products from other countries, including Rwanda. So we are seeing a lot of opportunity there, and our farmers have been really engaged to produce more chili and coffee needed in China. I don't think we can even supply enough quantities to this mm. market that's already open for us. So in terms of technology, as you know, Rwanda has really heavily invested in technology, trying to become a technological hub in the region. China is so advanced in that respect, and we have very serious engagement with them. We have Huawei already on the ground working with us to do some of these technological innovations within the country so that we are able to catch up with the rest of the world. So in a nutshell, I should say that the prospects are very positive. It is a commitment by both governments, and we are all here to make sure that we execute all these initiatives. Thank you, Excellency. Brings us to the end of the first half of our segment. You mentioned some products. We're dying to see them. How's the chili doing? She's doing extremely well. You just have to get more because the demand is very high. All right. The Chinese like it. One it's of the doing best. well. Yeah. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there. Your Excellency, early this year in January, you surprised many and differentiated yourself from your competitors here when you boarded a bike and delivered Rwandan coffee to a client who had ordered it online. What prompted you to doing this and how was the experience? Well, I think we have to adjust the way we have been doing business based on new opportunities and new challenges. Let me just say that Rwanda had an opportunity, like many other countries, to be facilitated to bring its products to Chinese market. When His Excellency President Xi Jinping visited Rwanda in 2018, we signed 15 bilateral cooperation agreements. One of them was e-commerce. Mm -hmm. So there's a background to that. So e-commerce was signed between Rwanda and China. Subsequent to his visit, we entered into an agreement with Alibaba Group on what is called EWTP, which is Electronic World Trade Platform. So that was the beginning of Rwanda entering into e-commerce business in China. So we started selling some coffee and chili and tea online, mm -hmm. including physical presence in different exhibitions. But the new dynamics, especially informed by the challenges that we faced during COVID, then live streaming became a tool, a very mm -hmm. powerful tool that people use to market their products. Mm -hmm. So our embassy took the initiative in collaboration with the Alibaba Group to say, why don't we take advantage of these technology platforms to be able to market our products. Mm -hmm. So back in 2020, we did the first live streaming whereby products were sold in seconds. Yeah. You know, the packets that you would say maybe sell for 
within three days during the, a normal exhibition like CIE in Shanghai, they took seconds. Seconds. Yeah. So we said, wow, this is a good opportunity. So we started doing live streaming with so many different other influencers, partnered with different online platforms like JD.com, Doin, Timor, Hema Supermarket, and so forth to market our products. Mm-hmm. And this has made most of our products, chili and coffee and tea, to be online. For instance, you decide to order and coffee. This is Gorilla. It's one of the famous brands. We have so many other brands. So you can just go online and order this coffee online from Timor or JD.com and it's going to be delivered on our doorstep. For instance, this chili sauce, it's found on Hema's Supermarket. Again, through our partnership with Alibaba Group, mm-hmm. you can order and Chinese consumers love it. You know, every time it's placed on the shelf, it's mm-hmm. sold out. Right within seconds. So because of that, we thought we should continue to use uh, these platforms to market our products. And indeed, we have seen growth in terms of sales because this has made it easier for us to reach out to the consumers and buyers. And subsequent to every live streaming event, we re- received massive number of requests and people asking, where do I buy coffee, where do I buy chili? And this has really had an impact in terms of the volumes that I export to China. Mm which then triggers even the, the farmers to grow more because right. now they see the market and the price has gone up. Right. So we are so, so much excited about this opportunity. And I should say that uh, the reason why, to your question, I even went further mm. beyond live streaming mm. to go and deliver the coffee to a customer who had ordered online mm. was a gesture to appreciate the consumers who are really buying London coffee and tea and chili big time. So I mm. said it was during holidays. Why don't I just deliver this packet to the consumer? And when I showed up at her doorstep, she was like, this is amazing. I don't think I'm going to open this packet. But uh, I received a lot of questions. Mm. Uh, people asking, as an ambassador, how you go on the bike? How do you deliver? I said, let's change the way you do business. Right. Because we are here representing people. Mm. There are people who toil every single day to produce coffee and mm. chili and tea. And we are here representing them. What's the matter of me, you know, sitting, taking the back seat in the flag and then enjoy my mm. life when people are not getting the big market for their products? So right. I said, let me uh, leave the, the conventional way of doing business and did that. And it was very impactful. People liked it. And we, we for us, what we, we count at the end of the day is, is how much is ordered from Rwanda to come to the Chinese market. Right. right. You also mentioned something on Alibaba and Timor. For some time now, through the Rwandan embassy, you have been working with big e-commerce companies like Alibaba, Tmall, and JD.com to organize live-streamed auctions, like you've just mentioned, of Rwandan products like chili and coffee. How much opportunity is there for African companies to get involved in e-commerce, and how can Rwanda benefit from selling on online platforms? That's a very important question, because as I said earlier, it's very important to look at uh, the opportunities that are being presented to us. Okay. in terms of using this technology. Mm-hmm. People have to realize the fact that 15% of global economy is digital economy. So that's a new frontier because people in Rwanda now are able to buy products from China just by going on, uh, on Alibaba.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they used to pay their tickets, pay accommodation, come here. Mm-hmm. But now they can buy products safely from mm-hmm. Alibaba.com. So digital economy is increasingly becoming an opportunity and a way of doing business, a new way of doing business. So uh, it's very important for African companies and African countries to embrace technologies that will help uh, you know, uh, the private sector and people who are in the business uh, space mm-hmm. to uh, connect with buyers and consumers in places where they 
can not even necessarily go there physically. Mm -hmm. And we have tested that uh, through EWTP with the, with, with the uh, Alibaba group. And we are seeing a lot of growth after we used uh, all these platforms we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. People are already doing a business with different companies that we even don't know as an embassy. Okay. Because they saw it in the news, right. they saw the product, they checked online who has the products and they have already, you know, entered into agreements to, to supply products. So I believe, uh, given the fact that the Chinese government has already opened up, is encouraging, is actually even committing resources to support African countries to export to, to China, we therefore need to embrace technologies so that we are able to maximize on them so that we increase sales and that otherwise it would take very long time to, you know, use normal transactions that we are used to the traditional way of doing business mm -hmm. is going to be overtaken by these realities and and Rwanda you know a country that has heavily invested in technology mm -hmm. we think this is uh, the next frontier for us to be able to engage with the companies and the consumers across the globe mm -hmm. okay. and how do you envision the role of technology cooperation between the two countries relationship and in developing their economies for example like in technology in agriculture yes it, that's uh, that's very important because you see maybe let me look at it from the broader perspective of the African continent, if we want to talk about food security, mm -hmm. we need to depart from the traditional way of doing business. Okay. If you don't deploy technology in agriculture, mm -hmm. you are not going to increase productivity. You know, all these things that I've talked about, the market, you know, the fascinating opportunities that we are getting from China, many buyers coming to us looking for product, we can only enjoy uh, this vast market if we are able to produce more. Mm -hmm. And you can only produce more if we invest in technology. Right. And technology in agriculture is very critical and we are partnering with many Chinese companies to help us with that. Because, for instance, all these products, when it comes to drying technologies, it takes forever for someone who is dependent on natural heat to be able to, to dry like uh, the dry chili you see here. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't have the system of uh, the post-harvesting handling system whereby you, you have drying systems that ensure proper moisture content, proper mm. drying, you know, our conditions, you are not going to be able to tap into the market that you have. So we, we, we have partnerships with the, with the different companies that mm -hmm. uh, are bringing these technologies to make sure that in a very small piece of land where you have been, for instance, producing, let's say, two tons per hectare, mm -hmm. you are going to be producing nine to ten tons per hectare mm -hmm. just because we have deployed technology and uh, and that gives you more, more products and therefore you are able to supply enough quantities to the market. So we, we look at from that perspective, but also making sure the farmers are connected because what we have done in Rwanda for instance is to make sure that uh, people have access to internet. Okay. People can have information on the market, can have access to the consumers and buyers and therefore have direct transactions and therefore removing middlemen in between. So by doing that then you are increasing income to the farmers yeah. and you are changing their lives. So yeah. Huawei is, is currently uh, installing networks across uh, about a thousand plus schools which then will help the, you know, uh, the communities around to have access to internet which therefore gives them the opportunity to have access to markets for, for their products. So we, we are working with uh, them also to make sure that the information on the market, what are the prices, so that if I'm saying one kg of dried cheese in China are this much, mm -hmm. when you come to Rwanda, you don't have to tell me, you know, uh, things that are not reasonable given uh, the, the, the profit margin is between me who is producing and who is selling. Mm -hmm. So this reduces the losses that the farmers will be making in terms of post-harvesting handling systems, in terms of uh, making sure that products are 
are safe and they have access to market. So technology becomes part and parcel from the time you plant to the time when you are selling your products. And, mm. and, and, and we believe this is going to be very critical as we try to increase products coming to the Chinese market. Your Excellency, thank you for your time. Thank you for the discussion on this program. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you at the embassy. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again. See you next time.